God doubled down. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. A promise from God isn't like one of our human promises. We don't know the future. We don't speak things into existence with our words. When the Almighty promises something, it is real. It's already done. We're just waiting on the shipping. But if God's promise isn't enough for you, he'll put up some security. He'll put some skin in the game, if you will. Here's Pastor Jim with the first part of his sermon, The Immutable Promise of God. Good to have you here. Thank you for remembering right start in your offerings and most especially in your prayers. It's, uh, it's neat to hear reports of what God's doing through the broadcast. Several folks yesterday who don't normally come to Grace uh, took time to find me, look me up, and express their appreciation for the teaching. And uh, that's, that's always wonderful to say, well, I'll pass on to the folks and make it happen. Your, your appreciation for the weekly ministry. There are folks listening, and uh, I'm always kind of impressed when uh, pastors will tell me that uh, they listen and then uh, they find help in the broadcast in terms of the, the many times pastors normally speak during a week. The average pastor will average at least three times a week, and that's, that's a lot of preparation. So thank you for making all that happen, and thank you for being here tonight. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you for the incredible truth of the resurrection of God the Son. He said that uh, no one could take his life from him. He said, I have power to lay it down, power to take it again. This I have received from my Father. And he affirmed his deity when on the cross he dismissed his spirit. He dismissed his spirit and gave up his own spirit. What an incredible way to die. Thank you that he didn't do that until he could shout with the voice of victory. It is finished. We love him for that. We praise him for that. And I pray that you'll remind us of that in just a few minutes when we bring our study together tonight to a close that death and hell did not contain him Archangel, cherubim, could not restrain him. Because of who he is, God, the creator. Because of what he is, Lord of all, master of all, creator of all, source of all life. Because nothing is impossible to him when he had made an offering for sin through his humanity. He then demonstrated his deity. Nothing in this world or any coming age had any power over him. Could not correct or change the course of his decision and could not blunt or detour or in any way challenge him as he expressed his deity, and the way he died. Thank you, Father, that he is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, 
waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. And that all creation will see manifestation after manifestation, wave after wave after wave of astonishing miracles as he unleashes his deity and displays his sovereignty. And we get front row seats. Wow. 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 So tonight, lift our hearts, we pray. Guide our thoughts. In Jesus' name, we ask this, and for his glory, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn, please, to Hebrews chapter 6. As we discussed last week, this is a troubled passage. It's not troubled, but it causes all kinds of consternation for those who seek to understand it and interpret it accurately. Last week, we worked our way down through uh, Hebrews chapter 6, starting there with verse 1. And we went all the way down, basically through, through verse 12. Now, just, just a word of instruction. I want to take us tonight from verse 13 to the end of the chapter, first of all. Then I want to go back and play out for you the sequence of this passage. I think when we're finished tonight, there'll be no doubt in your mind as to what the writer intended to communicate in this passage. No doubt at all. Those who see in the verses, chapter 6 of Hebrews 1 through 12, see in there uh, a contradiction. Forget to read the rest of the chapter. Look how the chapter ends. Let me frame it this way. If there's anything in the first 13 verses that would give you fear or doubt as to the security of your, of your, of your salvation experience in Jesus Christ, if there's anything in there that raises an eyebrow or gives you any palpitation of your heart or your faith, listen to the rest of the chapter. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since God had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will most certainly bless you. I will greatly multiply you. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them, men, a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show the unchangeable purpose. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose as expressed in his promise. Even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope, like a sure and firm anchor of the soul, that enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, behind the veil. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner, because he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. My brethren, you will not find in your Bible any place a stronger passage on the security of the promise of God given to us through faith. There it is. I can remember often being in the middle of conversation about the first 13 verses and people would want to argue this and argue that and argue this and argue that. And one day it dawned on me, well, let's read the rest of the chapter. And if you have any doubts in the first 13 verses as to what the writer means or the foundation upon which he rests those statements, just read the rest of the chapter. The writer takes the old man Abraham and takes God's dealings with Abraham as a model of the way God works, the purposes of God's heart, and the assurance of God's promise. When God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. God cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. And in this passage, we're told that in order to, in order to give comfort to Abraham and those of us like Abraham who are trusting God's promises, as the basis for our eternal life, God raised the ante. <laughs> God doubled the pot. The promise was to Abraham, and God made certain to Abraham, Abraham, this is something I'm going to do for you. It's an unconditional promise. There are a number of elements in that promise. One of them was that all nations there will be blessed. Another one was that God would, through Abraham, provide a seed. And in that seed, all nations of the world would be blessed. That seed is Jesus. You find that out in Galatians. God made a promise that Abraham would be father of many, many nations. God, God made a promise that Abraham and his descendants would enjoy a special place in the world, a geographical spot, a land. All of that, God would provide. At the heart of all that was the fact that Abraham had no children, <laughs> no, no descendants. Remember the story. Abraham was, what, 99 years old, something like that. He had had the first promise for something like, I don't know, 25 years. God had made this promise. Abraham had followed. He believed God, and God counted that for righteousness. And Abraham demonstrated his confidence in God's promise by leaving Ur of the Chaldees and coming down into the land of Canaan. And then, remember, he went on down into Egypt, and God chastened him there and sent him back up. And then he made a number of other mistakes there in the land of uh, at the land of Canaan where he sojourned. And after 25 years of those kinds of demonstrations of faith and failure, God showed up and said, Abraham, um, Sarah's gonna have a son. 
you're going to have a son through Sarah. And remember Abraham laughed and then later Sarah laughed. Why? Well, it was impossible. Impossible. She was 90 years old and had well passed the time of childbearing. Abraham, in that son, through that son, my promise to you will not only be confirmed, it will be completed. For out of the descendants through Isaac, the covenant will be kept, the promises will be fulfilled. Well, you know what happened. Baby came and there's a, a hoopla to meet all hooplas. What an incredible experience that must have been. See, Abraham had waited 25 years and then God gave Isaac. And then, well, stick your finger here in Hebrews and flip back to the 22th chapter of Genesis. Just flip back there. Genesis chapter 22. Because God came to visit Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to take that young man of yours, Isaac, and I want you to take him to a mountain I will show you. Genesis 22. And I want you to offer him there as a burnt sacrifice, an offering to me. And the text tells us that God was testing Abraham. Now remember, all the eggs were in that basket. All the promises were in that boy. Messiah himself would be born out of the lineage of Isaac. A lot was hanging on this. And we read that Abraham, now well beyond 100 years of age, took his son, went up to a place that God showed him, Mount Moriah, and then went up to the top of the mountain. Abraham put Isaac on the altar, put the kindling under him, raised the dagger to take his life. And God said, don't do that. Text tells us that Abraham was willing to do that because here was his logic. Look, God gave me a promise. And the promise was through Isaac. He was born through miraculous circumstances. If God would go through all of that to give us Isaac, then God is not going to default on the promise here. If necessary, God will raise Isaac from the altar. That's how much confidence Abraham had in God, his promise. Now look with me, please. Abraham passed the test, and we read in verse 15, Genesis 22:15. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn. There it is. You looking for the oath? There it is. I want you to see something. The oath came many years after the promise. And in its statement, it was stated by God to be something God did to himself. Now, what is an oath? An oath means it's a covenant of integrity where I will make up all of the damage that's done if my word proves to be false. Now look what God says. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, not spared Isaac, and have not withheld your only son, 
I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. And I'm going to tell you, that promise still sticks tonight. God's still on target with that promise. He didn't quit back there when Mary gave birth to a baby. He didn't quit when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He didn't quit when Jesus rose from the grave. He didn't quit at Pentecost when the Spirit of God came and the church was born. God didn't quit on this. God's not a quitter. God made a promise that's absolutely take it to the bank. He doubled it by making an oath. In a sense, God said, I put everything I am, all that I own, I pledge it all and put it in the pot. If my promise fails, you own me, Abraham. I become your slave. You become my master. How about them apples? When was the oath made? After he had passed the test. He didn't fail the test. He passed the test. First, the promise. And we read that when Abraham heard the promise, he believed God. And the text tells us that Abraham's response of faith, God accounted to Abraham as righteousness. That is, he imputed to Abraham all the benefits that would be won, all the benefits that would be achieved through the accomplishment of that promise before the promise was accomplished. Abraham believed God. He expressed faith. He took God at God's face value. He shook hands with God and decided, that's God. I'm human. I'm putting it all in. That's what Abraham did. And that's what the act of faith is that gave you salvation. Now, there's a logic to it. There's a science to it. There's prophecies to it. There's all kinds of ways you can, come, you can come back to that moment when you understood that Jesus on the cross died in your place for your sin. He was buried, rose again, demonstrating his deity, and he offers to you full eternal salvation based upon his finished work. But the bottom line is, do you believe God? Not can you prove it logically, not can you take me to Jerusalem and show me the exact place where Jesus died, because you can't do that, you know. Not that you can take me someplace in, in Judea and point out the exact tomb where Jesus actually was laid. You can't do that. You know that, don't you? Those kind of scientific approaches to this thing absolutely fall flat. The question is, are you going to trust God? You're going to take God at his value. God made a promise. And righteousness is imputed to you by God, not by the fact that you suddenly become good or religious, but righteousness is imputed to you on the basis of the fact that you look God in the eye and said, I trust you. I put my life in your hands. I take you at face value. Got that? But you see... Because of the hard-headedness, <laughs> because of the devastating blow 
that sin brought into man's heart and man's experience. God was willing to up the ante. In addition to the promise, he was willing to cover it with an oath. So that, as the text tells us, so that through two unchangeable things, God has guaranteed to us his unchangeable purpose. What's his purpose? What's God's purpose? His purpose is to redeem from humanity sinners who deserve the lake of fire, make them his sons, forgive them of their sins, give them an heirship, give them a relationship with him, exalt them above angels, and make them the rulers with Jesus of the age to come. That's God's purpose. Incredible. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know of any place in Scripture you're going to find verses that are more heavily weighted to the fact that God makes a promise, that promise is received by you on the basis of your confidence in God's integrity. You take God at what he says, you shake hands, you give him your heart, your life, you become his. He gives you righteousness, and it's sealed. And it's a transaction that is wholly perpetrated, accomplished by God. You bring nothing to the table but guilt. You bring nothing to the table but sin. God brings everything in his promise. That's pretty impressive. And if you can't trust God's promise, God says, I'll double it with an oath. I'll put everything I am, my integrity, my deity, my creation, everything I have, I pledge as security behind the promise that I've already made. Can you find any place in Scripture where a deeper, more profound, more unshakable, invincible foundation is stated for your faith? No, you can't. At least I can't. If you can, show it to me. Love to have it. The writer of Hebrews tells us to imitate those who persevered in their faith, who endured despite time and pressure and obstacles, and who got what they had been promised. And then he gives us Exhibit A, Abraham, not a perfect guy by any means, but he held on to what Jim calls the immutable promise of God. The message is split up into three segments for broadcast. You can have the whole thing on CD for a gift of $7 or more. Our current series is called God's Ultimatum, Volume 1. For a gift of $66 or more, you can have all 19 discs in the set. Our world seems to be in worse shape than ever, honestly. One or two existential crises at a time are not enough anymore. We're supposed to fear a polycrisis now. In the face of all our troubles, imagined and real, you might ask, what can I do? Well, you can help us broadcast the truth with these insights that we call Right Start. You can do that with a financial gift or with your prayer support, and we hope both. 
Thank you to everyone helping. Please mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. And find us at rightstartradio.org. There's a link to the daily Apple podcast. And with just a few clicks, you can play or download complete sermons or play the radio programs from our site. You can make a secure donation online, too, at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. God's promise is not like our promises, and His covenant is better than ours, too. Please join us tomorrow for Tuesday's Right Start. Right Start.